Welcome to The Bibliophiles, the official podcast of Big Little Literature. I'm your host, Beth Stephens, and I'm here to provide real lit feels for real lit lovers. Hello, book lovers. Welcome to another episode of The Bibliophiles, and I have a very special episode for you today. Some might say it's a very lit episode because we're going to be talking about the very first three episodes of Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. Yay, so excited. And also, I have two very important guests. One of them you already know, Dana Tong, who was our first guest on the show. Hi, Dana. Hi. And the other one, I also met at the same time as Dana and holds a very special place in my heart. We used to be co-workers. She's my work wife, and I just love her very much. Welcome to the show, Hillary Weissman. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. So excited. Dana and Hillary were my very two first friends in New York, so I'm happy that they are on the show together with me. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. Yeah. Yes. And like I said, we are talking about Little Fires Everywhere. So the three of us read this book at different points. I think I, I read it like two years ago. Fell in love with it. Five Flames. I had so many great things to say about it, and when I was going back and rereading my review, I... I don't know how many times I made, like, fire and lit puns. It was a little excessive, but, you know, we learned from our mistakes. Um, so, Little Fires... Oh, no, you know I love a good pun. Oh, that's true. But I you think I over I overdid it just a smidge. <laughs> Got it. Uh, little Fires Everywhere is, I'd say, contemporary fiction. It follows um, a mother-daughter, um, Mia Warren and Pearl, who just moved to this town in Ohio, And this town is, like, very rigid. They follow rules. It's very much planned. And that's just, that's not this family at all. And they meet um, the Richardson family, who is led by their mother, Elena. And they are very much rule followers. They've lived in Shaker their whole lives. Uh, So the the book really covers kind of their interactions with each other. Um, There's a lot of themes related to motherhood, um, gossip, um, all that good stuff. Like I said, I gave it five flames. Uh, what did you? What would you guys rate the book? So I read it uh, this past January, so just two months ago. Read it um, in a short weekend trip to Florida, and I couldn't put it down. Um, the, my one uh, demerit that I'll give, I gave it four flames, just because there were some parts that I skipped through because I wanted to get to the end and find out what happened, which is just more commentary maybe on my own um, lack of attention span, (laughs) but um, I really enjoyed it and really want to know what happened, but there might have been some commentary that like I might have just kind of flipped through to get to the juicy stuff and to kind of get to um, the resolution of all the conflict. So, like, a, a little too much exposition. Mm-hmm. Got it. What about you, Dana? I agree with you. I will give it five flames. I read it when it first came out, when it was one of the Reese Witherspoon book club picks. I'm an avid follower of the Reese Witherspoon book club. Um, absolutely loved it. Could not put it down. Fun fact, one of my best friend's fathers grew up in the town next to Shaker Heights, Wow. Um, we were supposed to take a field trip there in June, actually, TBD on, on that trip. <laughs> Hashtag um, Corona. <laughs> but he, he described it pretty much exactly how it is in the book. Um, very manicured, um, very similar to like what it is. Um, and she's been watching the show, obviously, can pick up on you know whether it was filmed in the actual Shaker or not, which has been interesting. 
Oh, that is so interesting. Do they actually, like, measure the grass like they do in the show? I don't remember if they actually measure it, but it is, like, you need to keep your lawn appearance, you know, uniform, more or less, with the rest of the town. Oh, intriguing. So let's let's dive into the to the first three episodes, um, and up so they kind of run together because I watched them all throughout the weekend, and I will say like I I was very much intrigued and wanted to keep watching, so that's a plus. Um, yeah. ep- episode one is really just like Mia and Pearl have just moved into the town, right, and they're kind of meeting people. What's interesting is that um, in the book, I would say Mia, she's mostly the narrator, right? Um, well, I think I, it's a third party. Like sorry, it's like a third party or whatever that literary phrase is. I don't, right. I don't think any of the characters okay. actually narrate it. So I do still feel like it was more strongly from Mia's point of view mm-hmm. whether or not she was narrating it. Whereas I think in the show, Reese and Carrie have equal billing. And um, speaking and of like- speaking of Reese and Carrie, real quick, we have to call out that. Yeah. I mean, Reese Witherspoon, she's just amazing. And then Carrie Washington, who played the epic Chenille in Save the Last Dance, which we all Our love. Favorite. Yes. Our favorite. Yes. Um, yeah, no, they're both fantastic. I just feel like as the two matriarchs, it's almost equal. Whereas in the book, I felt that Elena was a bit like secondary or even tertiary to um, Mia. Oh, that, you know, that's a good point, and I don't think I, because I read it, like, two years ago, I didn't remember that, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think you're right, but I, I like, I think that it is, in the show, it's more equal, and you get to see both yeah. sides of it more. Mm-hmm. So, episode one, like we said, they're, they're kind of meeting um, everybody in the town, they've just moved there. Uh, Mia is renting from Elena. That's how they meet. And right off the bat, there's just so much tension between these two. Yeah. Um, Because you have, you know, Elena is the matriarch of a kind of strong, um, normal, quote unquote, um, nuclear family, mom, dad, four kids. Also, Um, it's in the 90s. So it's it's a little bit more conservative. It's in the Midwest. So a little bit different than what we'd experience today. Right. Whereas Mia is a single mom, um, and the showrunners made the choice to have um, Mia portrayed by a black woman, Kerry Washington, where in the book, she was written very neutrally, but the author Celeste said she did envision her as white, because she didn't want her, she didn't want to make her um, Asian American in terms of having her relate too closely to um Mirabelle Mei Ling's storyline, which we'll touch on later, but um, she felt like she also didn't, she wanted to bring a different race than white, but didn't feel that she could um, write in a uh, African-American voice. So now that's something that they get to explore in the show. Well, we also have Pearl meeting Moody differently in the first episode than I think what happened in the book, and they have a much more kind of you know, he has a crush on her in the book, but I would say even just in general, they make the whole thing seem a bit romantic, almost from both sides. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, Pearl does not see him that way at all. Um, you know, how they're like holding hands and it's just a bit different relationship vibe yeah. from the two of them. They did keep what I thought was cool um, when Pearl was putting together her bed frame and then um, 
Mia takes a picture from of her from above, and then she notices Moody lurking. Like, that was kind of verbatim. Um, but, yeah, you could definitely sense more of a requited interest in each other versus Moody's one-side attraction in the book. Is it just me, or do you find Mia's photo-taking creepy? Yeah, it's creepy in the show. It is quite, quite creepy, yes. It's always like she's, like, sneaking up on people. Like, she sneaks up on um, on Izzy, who is Elena's youngest daughter, when she's spray-painting out in front of the house. Like, she just keeps yeah. creeping up on people to take photos. I'm like, lady, can you just... Can you back off yeah. a little bit? I, mean, I think the gist of her art is, you know, catching people unawares. But for instance, when it was Izzy, she pretty much like walked up right in front of her and just took a picture. Yeah, that's true. She right. has no shame. <laughs> and this is also back in the day when they're using, you know, SLR cameras with a quite noticeable clicking sound. It's not like a smartphone where we can silently tap. Yeah, exactly. So people know you're doing it. You can't be secretive yeah. about it. Yeah, no. Uh, so, Hillary, you brought up the race point, which I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's very much in your face in the in the show, whereas, like you said, it's not – like, the race of the characters is a little bit ambiguous. I mean, I think the Richardsons, we know that they, they are white, but uh, me and Pearl, at least when I was reading it, I wasn't really sure – but in the in the show, they're definitely throwing it in your face. Do you guys like that they are adding that that aspect and that theme uh, into the show? Um, I I like it. I think that when they were just focusing on class discrepancy, I feel like that's a much more um, ambiguous um, you know dichotomy. Whereas um, race relations, certainly in the '90s, where you had kind of this. Um, essence of being colorblind and that's something that Elena is clearly trying to portray that she doesn't see color or you know it's not something that should be an issue to her but yet she's immediately getting you know background checks or not even immediately she gets she orders a background check um, on Mia not just after she rents to her but after she then hires her to be in her home she doesn't get the background check done until after that um because she's, you know, colorblind and she's just trying to do something nice and quote-unquote charitable by giving her a very preferential rent um, for that duplex. Um, and I just think that when you put it within the context of race, um, it is a lot of um, Mia's trepidation um, around the town's rules is, has, is a lot more loaded. Like when Moody and um, and Pearl are found trespassing and they're brought home by the neighborhood watch, but it looks like a cop car following her home. That was such a tension-filled scene um, of you watch Carrie's face driving um, and then pulling up to the house and she's, you know, her lips are twitching. And then all of a sudden she sees Pearl get out of the back of the car and she you know, yells at Pearl that, um, you know, we don't get away with things like they do. Um it, it was that was a very powerful scene, and I don't remember if the trespassing happens in the book, um, but they definitely don't have as much police relations conversation in the book because they're both assumingly white. They're throwing, you know, every possible kind of trope in the book. I want to say just trope. They're throwing everything, like every issue that you can imagine. Yeah, and they are. Um, it is giving the Richardsons an interesting new dimension as these people who. You know, it's like that understated racism. They think that they're not, but they really, in fact, quite are, especially Lexi and Elena. 
Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting what they do with it because right now it's kind of just like a lot. But like there needs to be something insightful that comes from this, either a lesson learned, something I feel like it has to somehow in the later episodes, there has to be some sort of deeper meaning lesson situation that comes of all of this and not just like we're putting everything in there because, you know, it's this they're trying to portray a certain era. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's like the the one complaint I have so far. So so there's two sides of it. So like you were saying, Hillary, when they when she was driving home and the cop was following her, and there was so much tension, like all that tension it's creating is keeping me intrigued, and like I want to keep watching. But because they there's there's class, there's race, and all, like all of these things just exasperate each other, and they you know they work together. But then there's also you know the the youngest daughter Izzy. There's like this potential like. LGBTQ situation going on like there there's an adoption story like there's there's so much going on and I'm curious how it's all going to connect because right now it just seems like they're throwing a lot at us another interesting part of making um Mia and Pearl black is that you know when you have Lexi um trying to figure out how to write an essay about hardship um that she's gone through in order to get into Yale in the book Pearl in an effort to try and become friends and ingratiate herself in the family offers to write Lexi's essay. But in the show, Lexi appropriates her story and that, and takes away Pearl's agency in that decision. Um, which again, I think creates a much more loaded interaction between these two families, especially with Lexi having a black boyfriend. She seems to like give herself a pass saying, well, no, I can't be racist. I'm dating a black man, but she has no problem um, stealing this story as her own without any forewarning and thinks she can just like take Pearl shopping, um, in an effort to say that, Oh, it's okay. We're friends. Yeah. I mean, she's, Um, she's telling the story that she wants to hear whether or not it's appropriate. mm -hmm. Even the husband, every time he's around Mia, he's very almost uncomfortable. Do you think that's sexual tension? I can't tell. I think at first it was like he was trying to be friends with her, like talking about the meatloaf. But even at the end of that conversation, he still was kind of, you know, when he was trying to say put a face to the name, you know, he felt very awkward, was mowing the grass. Yeah. Felt very awkward. It's kind of like he doesn't know how to act. It's like, she's a person. Just act friendly. Just be normal. Right. Right. Well, and also I'll just always think of Joshua Jackson as Pacey and he was a huge (laughs) flirt. So, like, maybe that's what we're sensing. No, Mighty Ducks all the way. He was as Charlie? Come on now. Something else I want to say before I forget, um, when you were talking about how there's, like, a ton of different issues thrown into this show um, in terms of, you know, race and adoption and class and, um, you know, sexual assault and things like that, it reminded me of what I had an issue with when I saw the new musical Jagged Little Pill. Um... I, which is, you know, supposed to be set today, but it has, it uses um, Alanis Morissette's soundtrack to create a story about a very prim and proper white family, and they adopt a black child, and there's a a sexual assault that happens in the school, and there's this perfect boy that's trying to get into college, and, you know, it keeps piling on kind of every single trope, and there's drug use as well, drug abuse of the mother that's being hidden, and when I saw it in the context of the musical, I had described it as, like, woke the musical, but because it is now set in the 90s, back in a time that was maybe less woke, and there isn't the musical factor of it, 
I, I'm not finding as much of a triteness to it in the show as I did in the musical, which I still loved. But I was just a little like, okay, which issue do you want me to focus on here? Mm-hmm. Well, I also think, like, the issues are, they're so stereotypical. And again, this is the 90s, so it's it's harder for me to, like, put myself back in that time. But, um, like, Elena is just, like, so white. Like, she's so, like, the Midwestern house mom. Um, and then Mia is very much, like, this hipster African-American artist. And I don't know, it just seems, like, a little bit too too stereotypical for, for all of this, the various issues, if that makes sense. And you wonder if it will change Mia's motivations for instance, when it comes to Mirabelle, you yeah. know, for what she ends up doing, won't well, spoil it, but will that change her motivations for doing what she does or says? So in, in episode two, I think, is when we find out, that's when we meet uh, Mia's co-worker, who, and we realize that there's some type of, she has some type of story with a daughter, but we don't know all of the details. And then in episode three, we find out that, at spoiler alert, she had to give her daughter up for adoption, and... Elena's best friend ended up adopting this daughter and the well, not end- even that she abandoned the yeah. baby at a fire station because uh-huh. she couldn't get it to feed because she yeah she's yeah. having a postpartum episode right abandons it then these people I won't even I don't even know if 100% it's a legal adoption but right foundling child situation right and, right. and baby chow is also an illegal immigrant so she couldn't yeah. go to the police to try and find her again which is one more issue they bring in immigration. <laughs> right. Yes. And so at the at the end of episode three, I believe, is when um, Mia's coworker like runs into this birthday party that they're having for Mirabelle. She's the baby. It's her first birthday party, and she they um, or Mia's been taking photos there, and that's when she learns that that's actually her coworker's daughter who then runs into the birthday party, and that's where we leave um, episode three. Which yeah. I, I'm interested to see where this, like, is this really going to turn into, like, is this going to become the main theme of the rest of the of the series? I don't know. There, it, there like, is no main theme because there's going to be so many more uh, climaxes to this story. Like, we haven't even gotten in Izzy's penchant for fire, and that's, like, the title of the book. They've also made it very clear that it's Izzy, whereas I don't know if that was always so apparent in the book about the house um, being on fire, like the scene that we open up with in the first episode. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's funny because we've gone over like all the things that they've changed, but when I first watched it and didn't talk to anybody, I felt like it was a very true to word adaptation. I was like, wow, they're really doing this verbatim. And then I started to read articles. I was like, oh, I didn't remember that they changed that. And I had only read it two months ago. Um, so it's still, it's, I feel like it's still capturing a lot of the essence of the book, even if they've changed things to uh, be a more comfortable, like, TV adaptation. I think it's still, like, I mean, I again, I read it, like, two years ago, so I don't remember all of it, but it seems to me like it is following the book a lot. It's just, it seems much more intense, and I don't know if that's because it is, you know, it's on camera and everything or what, but like everything just seems so much more intensified in the show than it did in the book. Whereas the book, it was like, I don't know, it's, it was like a slow burn almost before you got to the ending. I don't 100% remember Mia's overall demeanor. Like, was she so kind of like, like I knew, I know she was like, she barely aloof, but like, 
it's she's much more passionate about certain things when she gets involved now and she has very strong mm-hmm. feelings a lot of emotion is coming out more than I feel like in the book because like when they're I fighting, agree. for instance after fighting and like knocking on the wall mm. intense mm-hmm. I don't yeah. remember that level of intensity in the book coming from her I feel I like she was more of this kind of aloof observer of things happening and she kind of just like got involved in like little bits yeah, yeah. I think she was definitely aloof and like kind of demure you know she was also kind of asexual she said that she had like never seen a man naked before which is how you wonder how she you know came to have her daughter pearl um whereas in the second episode it opens with carrie washington you know having a sex having sex with a man in her car while her baby's in the back seat so they've added that as well and i'm not sure if that's just for you know um salaciousness on tv um but it, that was an interesting contrast in the book, whereas she just seemed kind of like a blank page in the in the book, whereas she's a, definitely much more intense and fiery and perhaps angry in the show, angrier in the show than she was. I mean, the, um, the, the tension book. between her and Elena is, like, very palpable in the, in the show, and it's almost, I don't want to say cringeworthy. I don't think that's the right word because I, I think it's good in like what they're trying to address and get across. But like all of their interactions from very early on are almost hard to watch because there's she's just like so angry at Elena from the get go. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like Elena just so tone deaf. Oh my <laughs> so god, yes. Says, which makes it so awkward, obviously, watching it. But like that's literally how people interact to this day when right. these situations, which is awful. But it's just, yeah, I mean, it does, it makes you cringe, but it's what happens in the world. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because it's just like, there's so much intensity on both sides. So like Mia's obviously very angry and bothered by this, by this character. And then Elena, it has like so much white privilege and white ignorance that she doesn't even realize these things she's saying. So there's, there's just so much contrast between the two and that just creates more tension every time they interact. Yeah. I do think in, in episode two, like, so there there's a book club in episode two, and you see, like, Mia kind of sticking up for, for Elena, and there almost appears to me like there's too quick of a switch there for her to start defending Elena, and then, then they're, like, bonding yes. over wine. It's a bit odd to me. Because she had just found the facts of her background check, or of the other, four other Mia Warrens that were black and not her, um... And they didn't have a chance to discuss it before Mia had to prepare all the food. And, you know, now the book club's there. So you don't really, there doesn't seem to be a motivation for why Mia would draw a connection to how she um, views, you know, a vagina where Elena can't even talk about it. But she makes some sort of point to um, counter the book club leader. And Mia backs her up, even though their points actually don't really go together. But she may, she just tries to sell that she's on Elena's side. But which There's two possibles? One possible is that randomly she kind of feels bad mm. for Elena, almost knowing how ignorant Elena kind of is, thinking that women should always only want to be moms, or kind of get in good with her to then later broach the subject of the criminal background checks. Mm. Because, like, yeah, if, if that were me and I had just found out somebody ran a criminal background check on me, with like, I'd be pretty pissed off or annoyed. So, I, yeah, I think it's maybe that she's, yeah. I don't know, like, yeah. I don't, I don't and know. she needs to. She needs to keep that job because she wants to keep an eye on Pearl. 
Yeah, right. I definitely so, think she has ulterior you know, motives. She lost it. Yeah, and she also has to bring up the fact that the reference was fake, that um, she had her boss at work call Elena pretending to be her prior landlord, and so she ends up confessing that to her. Um, so maybe that was also, you know, get on her good side so that she could um, confess to the lie but move on from it quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's so much. I know. I really, I know, I feel like I'm, like, saying a lot of negatives about the show. I really do enjoy it. Um, It's just Mm -hmm. interesting talking about some of these dichotomies. Yeah. What do you guys think about the acting? I mean, I love both Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon, but what do you, like, overall, and, like, all of the characters and all of the actors, what do you think? I think it's a really strong cast. Um, In terms of the two leads, um, I just feel like you can see a whole range of emotions pass through their face in, like, a nanosecond, um, which is really exciting to watch, but you're also just on edge the whole time because you can't really settle into one mood with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think all of the children are really talented. Agreed. The children are really good. Yeah, I like, I really enjoy watching all of the scenes with the kids. I think they're, they're really good actors. And I know we had discussed this like in a previous conversation, but they're all pretty close to the age that they're portraying, which is refreshing. Yeah, and I was I was shocked because I thought they were so much like they looked really young, and then I think like mm-hmm. maybe I forgot if it was you, Dana or Hillary, who brought up that like you looked up how old they how old the actors are, and they're actually right around the same ages as their characters. Mm-hmm. Yep, most for the most part. Because you just, you forget when you watch, like, 30-year-olds play 18-year-olds what high schoolers are supposed to look like. Yeah. Well, it affects their acting, how you act. Like, they don't remember necessarily what it was like to be a kid, but when you still are that age. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you think they're really going to play out the whole relationship with, what's his name, Trip? Like, the older, the older son? Is that his name? Trip and Pearl, you mean? Yeah, do you think that they're going to really play that out? I mean, you see it, see it a little bit that they're a little flirtatious, and then it, something does happen in the book between them, if I remember correctly. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. They've like, kind of done a slow burn of introducing him. Like He um, kind of gives moody shit a lot, um, but there hasn't been too much interaction between them. But I do kind of, if I remember the book correctly, it was kind of slow and then all at once. So... Um, I think that's pretty accurate. Depending on, I they haven't even um, kind of laid out how many episodes there will be total. They just had like the three episode premiere, um, so it, it will be interesting to see over how many more episodes they stretch out the rest of the story. I think it does say if you go on the oh, yeah. Wikipedia, what yeah, I think it's dates for all the remaining ones are. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think episode four is releasing like later this week. It seems like like once a week or every two weeks. It's not exactly. Yeah on Mm. schedule, which is also interesting. Keep us on our toes. So we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, I'm very excited to see where the next few episodes go. I think they're doing a good job so far. Any last thoughts from from you guys? I just can't wait for the next episodes. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to talk more about this. For sure. And I, you know, I guess um, what I'm really interested in seeing play out is... um, how Mia comes across the guy on the subway and how that relationship pans out to, you know, the creation of Pearl. Ooh, yes. yeah. Because they, they haven't covered that. Like, it's usually only, like, one scene or two scenes per episode. So that will be interesting to see. Yeah. 
Well, thank you guys so much for being on the Bibliophiles. I cannot wait to discuss the upcoming episodes and then hopefully more episodes with you guys in the future. Yeah, thank you for having us. I feel like yes, I thank you. picked the subject matter so that I'd have to be on more than one episode. So, <laughs> Well, my guests are, love you guys, so you'll have to be on more. <laughs> Yay! For sure. All right, bye everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bibliophiles. If you want more, be sure to check out my blog, Big Little Literature. If you want to hear today's music from Evan Schaefer, check him out at soundcloud.com slash evanschaefer. See you next time.